listening to the Davenport Junior Theater Podcast. Welcome to the Davenport Junior Theater Podcast, the podcast where we explore the past, understand the present, and dream of the future. My name is Courtney Cook, and I am your host. On today's episode, we have Jim McCoy. Hi, Jim. Hi, Courtney. Nice to be here with you this morning. (laughs) It's great to have you. So if it's all right with you, we'll just dive right in. Can you start by telling us about yourself? Hi, my name is Jim McCoy. Uh, I was involved in junior theater in the early 80s through the late 80s. Uh, Some of the most wonderful times of my life. Uh, I currently live in Boston and I lead a very large business for Manpower Group, about $2 billion in revenue and a team of over a thousand people. Um, having a, having a great time doing what I'm doing now. And, um, I, but the, uh, junior theater has never really left me. So I think over the course of the morning, we'll talk a little bit about how all of the influence junior theaters have throughout my life. Absolutely. And can you explain a bit more about, uh, exactly what the company you run does? Sure, Courtney. So <laughs> I, I work for Manpower Group, which is a $20 billion um, human resources company. So we provide temporary staff, consultants, contractors. So my team leads our largest clients. So think of very big companies like Pfizer and Microsoft and um, Accenture and IBM, Procter & Gamble. Um, and what we do is we provide the staff to basically help make their companies run. So some of the things we do that are really interesting are my team provided thousands of people uh, to to build test kits, produce vaccines during the pandemic. My team also does all of the video game testing for some of the largest uh, video game consoles. We have a team of about 800 people in four or five sites and now expanding throughout the world um, who make sure that when you play uh, your Xbox Mm -hmm. games, you're doing it in a bug-free way. So we do lots of different kinds of work. Um, for our clients, but primarily we're in the business of providing uh, highly qualified staff to get work done. Okay, that's pretty awesome. I was about to say, I very much appreciate when my games are bug free. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So I'm sure we'll get back into that in a bit further in our questions, but for now, can you just tell us about what it was like when you were a student here at Davenport Junior Theater? Sure. Well, I had just moved to the Quad City area when I was 12. I lived not too far away from Um, junior theater, my mom thought it would be a great um, outlet for me to burn off a little extra energy, as it were, and especially in the summer, because there wasn't, (laughs) at the time, there wasn't as much to do. um, And the the summer program at junior theater was just terrific. So I started uh, as a student, but uh, by the age of 14, I was already working for um, junior theater. So we had a kind of uh, an internship program that gave us opportunities to do different jobs, um, around junior theater, and I specifically was in charge of props for the plays uh, on the main stage, as well as the plays that would uh, tour around in the show wagon. And then, of course, uh, as we all know, <clears throat> you can't work for junior theater without being Showtime Pal. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the Showtime Pal suit, uh, introducing shows, keeping kids entertained between shows, and um, just had a blast doing it. So like I mentioned earlier, some of my most formative experiences as a kid were really in junior theater and, and terrific memories, spending time in the cottages where we housed all the props and kids in, the, um, uh, in class and then um, doing all the production work behind the scenes uh, on the main stage as well as uh, being on the main stage once in a while too. Absolutely. And it's always nice to hear people talk about the cottages since we still use them for just about everything. I'm sure they've switched around what they've been where they've stored before, but it's nice to have them all. 
But yeah, so it sounds like kind of your main focus was in theater because you mentioned even uh, going into college, you did a bit of uh, props. Yeah, so, was there... so throughout <laughs> my life, I was never maybe the expert on on the main stage, but I always loved the behind the scenes work. And so in college and then um, later throughout my life, I've, I've been involved in backstage work and particularly properties work as well as stage managing. And so I stage managed for uh, some productions in Chicago while I was in school. And then I also did some stage management work for a theater in New York um, when I first moved there. And that was a a really cool experience because most of the actors were equity actors. I didn't have a lot of experience with that, but everything that I learned at junior theater, I was able to take with me. And and this was a, a theater group that had been around for about 100 years. Some of the feedback I got was, we've never had someone take charge the way you did and really kept us organized. And we appreciated the, the, the show ran so much more smoothly because you you weren't afraid to to direct us in the way that was needed. And 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 honestly, I would not have gotten to that point without my experience at junior theater. So like I said, you just touched on how kind of your experience at Davenport Junior helped you in that field. Does it still help you in your life and work today? Absolutely. The the Courtney, the, the thing that was so cool about junior theater was that as a kid, you are likely to have some hesitancy and some fears about going on stage. And the cool thing with junior theater is that you had so many opportunities to be on stage. You really had to come up with your own mechanisms to manage that. So initially, my first mechanism was I took my glasses off and I couldn't see anyone uh, in the audience and I just pretended no one was there. And then the next Then the next kind of technique that I learned was when you were, especially in the summer stage, you could see everyone. Um, And then I just started picking out people in the audience to make eye contact with and make sure that they were engaged. And the the confidence building of, of that whole aspect of what we did at Junior Theater was so powerful. And it's really carried itself with me today. I present every week, multiple times a week, often in times of very large crowds, Sometimes, um, well, certainly before the pandemic live, a lot um, virtually uh, during the pandemic. And a a key thing that we had to do in junior theater was keep the audience engaged. And that's exactly what I need to do now, whether it's talking to my team and getting them motivated to get a certain task accomplished, whether it's talking to my clients and getting them excited about working with us in a certain way. All of those techniques that I learned started in my experience in junior theater. So to, to me, it was an incredible formative experience, a, a great way to get over those fears of being speaking in public, um, uh, presenting to people in public, and, and really thinking about how you deliver a message to someone in a way that they can relate to uh, and then they can engage with. And then as, as a performer, or in my case, as a leader, being able to gauge their engagement uh, with you in real time and adjusting on the fly so that you make sure that you're always keeping them wrapped. Their attention (laughs) is on you, what you're talking about, and you have 100% engagement. That's absolutely amazing to hear. It's definitely wonderful because I assist in some teaching of classes in my time at Davenport Junior Theater right now. And it's uh, you definitely see that happen where you have your kids who are (laughs) like, oh, we're going to perform in front of a bunch of people. Well, that really makes me nervous. And I'm like, well, that's why you're here to uh, <laughs> learn how to do it. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's, true. it's really funny. You brought up like the, the taking off the glasses thing. So you could, I feel like that's 
uh, every kid who ever grew up wearing glasses. <laughs> That's their thing. Because I definitely remember doing that for a couple of presentations, even in high school. I was like, well, uh, I don't want to see anyone. Hopefully I can still read my presentation on the board. But <laughs> If I can't see you, I'm still in rehearsal. So there you go. <laughs> exactly. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when I was reading your bio, you had mentioned that you were still involved in the arts through some nonprofits. Can you speak a bit more on that? Yeah, so so after after my um, work as a stage manager, I just recognized that my life would feel slightly empty if I didn't have arts in it somewhere. And so on a personal level, I collect a lot of interesting painting and sculpture and things that <laughs> that, uh, that I, I find personally appealing as I'm on kind of various trips around the world. And I love to sponsor and, and um, patronize young artists, emerging artists. But in particular for performing arts, what I kind of found myself really interested was the whole field of dance and storytelling through dance. And so um, I just finished 15 years on the board of Ballet Hispanico in New York. Ballet Hispanico is a fairly large um, company, very um, important national company insofar as it's really telling the story of, of the Hispanic experience in the U.S. and or the Latinx experience in the U.S. Uh, through dance and performance. Um, it has a school on the Upper West Side and of New York City as well as um, a or an international touring company. And so that was a that was one really great way for me to stay involved. Um, I've recently joined the board of the Hudson Ballet Theater, which is another dance company that is primarily focused on telling stories about the diaspora of various countries, um, which is uh, really interesting uh, to me personally. Um, so I'm really excited to see um, some of the works that are coming up. That they you know they tell stories in a way through dance, not, you know, not too dissimilar from junior theater, but you, instead of using words, you're using movement to convey a, a really beautiful story. So I've, I've stayed involved through the arts through that, supporting museums and other areas, and then certainly junior theater, because to me, supporting junior theater is just a, a great way to, to give back to an organization that was so formative and so important for me in my um, developing years. Yeah. And because speaking of that, um, I'm not sure if many people know, I know it's coming up in uh, our show that is actually premiering next week. And I believe it is Squirrel Girl, but you tend to be um, it's underwriter, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. Of a lot of our shows. Could you explain uh, a bit more about what that is? Well, you know, I, I've um, <laughs> contributed to junior theater over the years, but to me, it's it's really important uh, that junior theater have the ability to invest the resources that it needs to make the the very best possible main stage plays we can do because ultimately that's what that's what draws your audience in that's what draws your future students in that's what keeps your parents engaged it, it, it's what keeps the community engaged and so um, I had the opportunity to talk with the team at junior theater and said if, if I could do something to support this year what would that look like and um, specifically um, Dan Sheridan asked if I would consider underwriting and it was it it took me a matter of three seconds to determine, yeah, this is exactly how I wanted to help. So I'm I'm excited about the production of Squirrel Girl for junior theater, but but also just happy to to have a part and being able to to give back to the organization. And I mean, I think any show we put on here is a wonderful experience for both the actors as well as anyone who watches the show. But I was super excited to hear we were doing Squirrel Girl because um, Squirrel Girl is definitely like one of the lesser known Marvel superheroes. But for anyone who does know her, it's an exciting experience to see like something being done with her. 
that it's it's cool i mean and marvel is certainly enjoying its moment for the last uh, couple of decades in terms <laughs> of sure. telling stories so if you if you think about the relationship for years junior theater had been telling kind of older stories and so mm -hmm. what's exciting to see in the last decade and especially under daniel's leadership is how it's really modernized to bring in additional viewers and um i'm, I'm really excited to see so to, to your point um i didn't know a lot about squirrel girl when when i signed up to sponsor but you know getting to know a little bit more about it but also really the the contemporary aspect of you know superheroes are hot right now and um <laughs> you know this is what kids want to watch I mean, I'm excited that junior theater continues to expand its repertoire to include things that are newer, fresher, and, um, you know, bit, maybe a bit more experimental than, than things that uh, we've seen in the past. I mean, certainly there's always time for Man in the Moon, but I think that that <laughs> show is probably one that could use a little bit of a refresh, having, having been in it myself a couple of times. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is really exciting to see them do a bit more modern shows. Two seasons ago, uh, they did um, Judy Moody uh, and Stink of the Mad, 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 Treasure Hunt. And uh, that was really exciting to hear because Judy Moody were books that were coming out probably when I was like, definitely, I know, in the fourth grade. So a good I can't do math on the top of my head, but you know, a good over 10 years ago or well, so. Probably me, let's 11. not age ourselves either. Let's not so. age ourselves. So that's a secret. <laughs> yeah, but it is exciting to see that they still do a mix. Like they just did Wind in the Willows as well, which is a much newer one, but based on an older concept of the Mr. Toad mm -hmm. uh, stories. Uh, but it's great to see that mix of kind of new and old going on. Yeah. No, it's true. And you know, some of the stories are just classic. So um, a Secret Garden, for instance, was one that uh, I was in many, many years ago. Or Daniel Boone. Uh, you know, there's there's a there's a an aspect of of junior theater, a responsibility, maybe I should say, of junior theater to also preserve some of the the classic stories. They're they're a little bit Americana, but they also kind of touch on the themes that are still relevant today. So you know, kind of the whole idea of finding yourself and becoming what you were meant to be, and all of those kind of coming of age aspects of a lot of the shows that we did you know back when I was in junior theater I think are still relevant although they can be told through newer characters like Squirrel Girl. Yeah so uh, another question we just kind of will like to throw in it's a bit of just a fun question but if you could have lunch with anyone living or not who would it be and why? So you gave me a heads up on this question and I <laughs> thought about this one a lot. I think there, there are many many people I could not narrow the list down to one. <laughs> But one in particular that I thought I would share on my list was that I would love to have lunch with Mary Nicewander again. Mm -hmm. Many of the people who will see this or hear this podcast will never have had the opportunity to meet Mary. And there are lots of legends about Mary. Some of them are true and some of them are not true. So for instance, if she wasn't happy with your performance every once in a while, a shoe would go flying out of the first or second row uh, in your direction <laughs> while you're on stage. And um, I never actually witnessed that, but I've heard from direct witnesses that that had indeed happened. Um, but, <laughs> but maybe as kind of more of a, a wake up as opposed to a, a direct target at someone's head. But the thing with Mary is Mary, Mary started the ju junior theater with basically little more than a dream. And she was able to grow it into something that has has influenced the lives of tens of thousands of children, if not hundreds of thousands of children over the course of its history, 
the fact that her legacy is still going to me is absolutely magical. And and if you ever met her, she was the most charming, hilarious woman with the most incredible stories about all of the 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 amazing people that she worked with. Her best friend was Helen Hayes. Her her one of her makeup artists over the years was Max Factor. I'm sure many people have seen that brand around. You know, she just had this incredible history, but then <clears throat> left a really amazing legacy for all of the rest of us. So I, I would appreciate that. And I would love to take her to launch if I had that opportunity. That's amazing to hear. And it's, um, it's definitely interesting to hear different people who uh, knew Mary, how they view her. Cause a couple episodes I had Steve Sissel, her grandson on the show. And he also answered that he'd love to have lunch with his grandma again. But of course it's for like, many different reasons so it's very cool to see like the similarities and yet the differences and how people had experiences with her well and the other thing courtney is something that i learned from mary was how teams work together so for those who don't who maybe more contemporaries will have had more experience with bonnie gunther who is also a magical human being in her own (laughs) right but to, to see how the two of them played off of each other in terms of their skills. So each of them had very different skills. Bonnie was the most amazing administrator. And if, if Mary had an idea, Bonnie knew how to bring it to life. And if Bonnie had an idea, Mary knew how to get support for it in the community. And it just, it, it was seeing that as a kid and taking that into my adult life, it, it really, it really um, gave a lot of credence to the team that you build around you and how important that was. So, so this is certainly not to, basically what I'm trying to say is that the, the interplay between those two is really what made junior theater success. So Mary had an idea many years later, she brought Bonnie on and Bonnie continued to operationalize that idea and make it real for all the rest of us. And it just, the two of them together was just magic. It, it really was, especially to see how the program is still going today, all strong. And I always love to hear people say that through theater or just through someone of theater helped inspire teamwork because, you know, a lot of people don't realize, but theater is still a bit of a sport. You still have teamwork. You still have to play well with your teammates and know how to get things that's, done. That's right. <laughs> and I think I think that's why junior theater is so important period because in in when you're when you're in a production there are lots of different roles to play and every single role is is equally as important you can be an amazing lead but if you have bad lighting if you have a set that doesn't work or doesn't tell the story it makes it much harder for you to do your job if you have um, backup background characters that are maybe like acting a little bit out of place it kind of throws everything off so the whole the beauty of a show is that Everyone plays a, a very important role, whether they're in front of this, whether they're on the stage or behind the stage, or you know maybe up the uh, above the stage in the in the lighting booth, um, and or, or even just selling the tickets and taking the tickets and 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 making sure that someone has a good experience from getting in the door to getting to their seat. All of those things matter in terms of the entire experience that a theater goer has, and I think that's what's so cool about. Davenport Junior Theater, as one might think of of uh, of an actor as a a little bit of an egocentric kind of role, and there is <laughs> there is some aspect of, to that because a lot of the work of an actor is rejection. You get rejected all the time, so you have to have a very healthy sense of self to keep going and continue to audition and continue to 
to try. I mean, it's not unlike what my team does in sales, but you have to do it knowing that, that when you're in a production, you have a whole team of people behind you. Everyone's job is to make everyone else look good. And, um, and I think that is, is if you take one thing away from an experience at junior theater, that is to me the most critical one. Absolutely. And yeah, that perfectly answered my question of why um, programs like Davenport Junior Theater are important. Is there anything else you think why they would be or did that pretty much cover it? No, that's I mean, that's kind of the the, the, the main thing for me. The, the other the other piece of it is just the friendships that you make in in um, in performing. I mean, those are those are friendships that you take with you for your life. And that is so valuable. And the older you get, the more you realize how special those relationships are that you take with you. So for the for the the current uh, students and um, employees of junior theater, I'm here to tell you that 30 some odd years later, I still treasure those experiences and, and the people that I met. And then the people that I've come across in the past who maybe we weren't contemporaries, but because we have this common bond of having been in junior theater, there's, it's like a community that helps each other out. So to me, it's it's really beautiful. It is great to hear like programs like this, just even if it's not a close connection, like a super close connection, you still have these connections forming and they can last forever. That's right. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. And before we sign off, uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Well, I, do, I would love to share one funny story, Courtney. Absolutely. Uh, my, I, uh, as, as I mentioned, I often speak in public. And um, I travel around, we have operations in 75 countries. And so a big piece of my job in the past has been to travel around and to build new businesses and um, rally teams behind building those businesses. And so one technique that I will often use um, with my sales teams, especially in Europe, and they never let me forget this, <laughs> is, is that uh, I teach them the lesson that as Showtime Pal, you have the responsibility of keeping four to 12 year olds alert and engaged and watching what you're doing. <laughs> and so there are a few little tricks. So one is that you constantly have to shift things up. Two is that your energy level has to be a little bit higher energy level than what's out in the field. So if you're talking to a client in our case, you want to keep your energy level very high. Three, you want to bring people along in that adventure. So like, for instance, and this is really critical in what we do is that if you're having fun, the client is having fun, and therefore they're gonna, they're much more likely to want to do business with you, not too dissimilar from the audience. If they're having fun, they're going to want to stick with you. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes to tee up that that discussion, I'll, I'll share my experience as Showtime Pal. And so to this day, when I go to Europe to see my <laughs> colleagues, I am greeted with, hi, Showtime Pal. And, and so to me, it's like always a, a reminder of how cool junior theater was and, and continues to be for kids, but also how important the lessons that we learned there matter to us in our adult and professional lives. So um, I just thought I would share that. And, and I, I'm really not kidding you. It's not a month goes by that someone doesn't say, hi, boys and girls, hi, Showtime pals. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun and something I will always take with me. That's really great to hear. I know. I I love seeing, especially as of late, we'd had a couple kids who haven't been Showtime Pal be Showtime Pal for the first time. And it, it's amazing to see how much of an exciting experience it is for them growing up with this this character as during their time, maybe from, you know, when they started the program, maybe at three, maybe 
at 10, but seeing them be able to take on this character that they love and know and just knowing it's probably going to stick with them for the rest of their life is just really cool. It's so true. It's so true. If you haven't had a chance, there's power in that clown costume. So, and and the makeup too. Once you draw those triangles on your eyes, there's no turning back. (laughs) Absolutely. And I, yeah, I love, um, have you been able to make it back to uh, see the museum that they've built at the, it's great that they, (laughs) great that they have the little, uh, the little mirror where you can stick your face and get the makeup just kind of on you for a little practice and to bring us back to man in the moon i'm pretty sure that in the photo library there's a picture of me and the uh with the moon rocks so uh if you if you really wanted to look you could find a a youthful picture of me with uh um on the moon as it were (laughs) junior theater style there you go thank you so much for joining us today it's been a joy to have you Thanks, Courtney. It was it was great to talk to you too, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing you at some point uh, in in junior theater in the near future. Absolutely. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you. This has been the Junior Theater Podcast. Thank you for listening.